Hello, and welcome to the 39th episode of Till Death Do Us Part. I am Daniel. And I am Melissa. All right, you ready for this? I think I'm ready. Are you ready for the conclusion of the marriage of Dan and Betty Broderick? Let's hear it. All right. So where I left you last time was Dan had just filed for divorce. Oh, okay. From Betty. Right. Ready for part two. Which she was not ready for. No, she did not think that he was going to actually go through with it. She thought that he was just kind of having a midlife crisis, considering he bought a red Corvette. (laughs) It happens. It does happen. Is the red Corvette an indicator of that? That's what they say. What's with the red Corvette? I don't know. I think they are hideous. Really? I do I not like. like I've never owned cars. one, but I would yeah. be into that. I think not. Not me. I am not a sports car person. I, I think am, I'd have to get a red one. I'm more of a muscle car person. I think I'm going to start looking at them for sale. No, get an old one. If really that's what. Oh, you Oh yeah, want. I can't afford brand new one. No, get I'd be an worried old I'd one. Scratch it or something. <laughs> Because you would. I think I should get an 80s one. Yes. Throwback from this case. Hey, why don't we try to find Dan Broderick's red Corvette? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'll look it up and see what it was, which Corvette he actually tried to get. Okay. Sounds good. All right. We're going with part two. Ready? All right. Here we go. All right. Things went downhill very quickly for the separated Broderick's. Dan still had all four kids living at home with him at Coral Reef and was now able to date Linda out in public. But Dan kept insisting to Betty that she was crazy and that he and Linda had not been having an affair while he and Betty were married. Oh, man. Um, Who is Dan kidding? Like, everybody knew. Everybody knew he was having an affair with Linda. Who are you going to believe, your eyes or Dan? Right. Go with Dan. Go with Dan. (laughs) No, he was totally playing Betty. He was gaslighting Betty. Okay, but she's not stupid. She was stupid. She knows. When it came, but she was stupid when it came to Dan. She wants to believe. She wants That's to believe. That's ultimately yes. what this comes down to is right. this is a woman who wants to believe. Yeah. And I don't care what it is. If you want to believe something bad enough, you will manufacture your truth in your head. That's absolutely true. And she made a vow and commitment to Dan, and she could not get it through her head that he was not doing the same. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone in La Jolla knew about Dan's extracurricular activities. Betty knew in her gut that Dan was still lying about Linda. Why wouldn't he just tell her? Was there still a chance that Dan would want Betty back? She hoped. hoped. (laughs) There was no chance he wanted her back. One day in October... Now, we're still in the year 1985. Betty drove over to Coral Reef to visit her children. As she walked into her old kitchen, she noticed a Boston cream pie on the kitchen counter. Betty knew it had to be homemade because it looked so sloppy to Mrs. Broderick. (laughs) Because she was perfect and everything she did was perfect. Ah, So anything anybody else did was just sloppy. Yep. Betty thought for a second that maybe one of the housekeepers had made it, but came quickly to the realization that a housekeeper is not going to make Dan his most favorite dessert in the world. This was something a wife would do. 
or even a girlfriend. Oh, boy. Betty's suspicions were confirmed, confirmed when she asked the housekeeper who made the pie. The housekeeper answered back, Linda. Well, my friends, Betty lost it. And she lost it on that damn pie. Oh, no. That silly, sloppy dessert became the first piece of evidence that Linda had stepped foot into Betty's house. Betty picked up that sloppy-looking Boston cream pie and walked it upstairs to Dan's master bedroom. Betty dug her fingers into that pie and began flinging it on the walls and onto the bedspread. She then opened Dan's closet and stared at his color-coded clothing and his always shined shoes. Betty began smearing the rest of the pie all over his custom suits, patterned shirts, and leather shoes. She's lost it. When Betty was satisfied, she wiped her hands on the bedspread and left Coral Reef. Wow. Yeah. And the kids are right there. So they're watching her do this, you think? Yes. Yes. And they kept telling her, Mom, you have to leave. Mom, you have to leave. You can't do this. And she just did it anyways. Because nobody's going to tell Miss Betty what to do. Can you imagine being a kid and watching your mom? And you know, no. she's you're like, um, mom's yeah, crazy. she has <laughs> completely lost it. Yeah. Two days later, Dan filed a restraining order against Betty. Of course he did. She was no longer allowed to step foot on Coral Reef's property without Dan's consent. But Betty just laughed. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. How was he going to keep her from stepping foot onto her property? Because she still considered Coral Reef her house. Right. Mm -hmm. Two days after that, Betty threw a wine bottle through a window at Coral Reef because she was upset that she had driven to the house to pick their youngest son up for his soccer game that morning. But he was not there. Dan had taken him to get a haircut instead. But in Betty's defense, she was the coach of the soccer team and Dan knew the schedule. The wine bottle might have been a bit much, Betty. Right, right. Betty needs to calm down. What do you think a judge is going to say when you're like, "Um, what happened? Well, she threw a wine bottle through the glass because she was upset. It's like, okay, well, she's unhinged. Right. And all of this doesn't look good when she's trying to get her kids back. No, that's what I'm... She's not... She's done. She's lost it. Yeah. Dan called the police, but two officers told Dan that this was a petty domestic war between the affluent... And he was told to quit wasting their time. That is awesome. (laughs) Since Dan had called the police and Betty realized she could have gotten into a lot of trouble, she decided it was time to find an attorney. Yeah, you think? That small task was not so easy. Dan's reputation was so stellar in San Diego that no one would touch Betty. Wow. No one wanted to go up against Dan Broderick. And at this time, Dan was on the board for the San Diego Bar Association. I wouldn't. If I were a lawyer, I wouldn't. You I'd wouldn't like, go against Dan? You know what? Dan? I'm, gosh, I got a really full yeah. plate right now, Betty. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm expecting to have that, food poisoning during I your- I got <laughs> that thing going on and the I got homework to do and stuff. Yeah. Nobody, nobody was willing to do oh, it. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. De- but- Betty did find an attorney to represent her from Los Angeles. Okay. So there was, and he was a great attorney, but Betty was an extremely difficult client. Gosh, I find that so hard to believe. Right? And that lawyer ended up dropping Betty as a client after, I think it was a little over a year. 
my gosh. Betty went through four attorneys in the span of three years. A big issue was that Betty wouldn't pay them. (laughs) What? Since Dan wanted the divorce, she thought he should be paying all the lawyer's fees. But Dan refused, and then the attorneys would quit because they were basically working for free. What did she think they would do? I don't know. But Betty also thought that if she never acquired an attorney, Dan could not divorce her. But she was wrong. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) She just kept thinking it would drag on forever as long as she didn't get an attorney. Wow. Yeah. At the end of October, we're still in 1985. Back to the future. Betty had made... Oh, that's true. Yeah. 1985. Yeah. October of 1985. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. Go watch Back to the Future if you haven't. (laughs) Yeah. Back to the Future. Sorry. Okay. Maybe I should get a DeLorean. Maybe you should. Instead of a Corvette. Let's get a DeLorean. Could you imagine if I had a DeLorean in the front yard? No. No one would even notice a Corvette, but you get a DeLorean? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a kind of a dumb car, but it doesn't matter. Right. They're ugly, but they're cool because of Back to the Future. Yeah, but the doors open up. Straight like a up. Tesla, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're gullwing doors. Yeah. That? That's what that's called. We could get it and then our kid could start driving it. That could be his commuter oh car. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. He would be so cool in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of October, Betty had made one last attempt to stop Dan from breaking up their family. She invited him over to the Shores house and began her last Hail Mary, reminding Dan of all the memories they'd shared how their marriage had been a good one, trying to convince him to give their marriage one more shot. When Betty was finished, Dan told her that she had been right all along and that he had been having an affair with Linda Kulkenna and that he was hopelessly in love with her and wanted to start a life and family with his paralegal. Boom. Mm-hmm. I can just imagine it. Like she's sitting there spilling her heart out and he's like, oh, thank you, Betty. Do you remember that time <laughs> when we did that one thing over in that at that one place? And yeah. He's like, yep. Yeah, I still want Linda. Yeah. But thanks for sharing. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. Betty didn't hold back. She screamed at the top of her lungs. <laughs> she cried like she'd never cried before. Betty fell to pieces. Because that's what he wants. He wants a crazy ex-wife, soon-to-be ex-wife, that's falling to pieces. Yes. Dan is not innocent in this whatsoever, people. No. Dan is just as guilty. He was a huge gaslighter, a liar. I mean, he was a lawyer, so. (laughs) Well, yeah. Aren't lawyers liars? (laughs) Some of them are. But, you know, when he lies and you're paying him, You appreciate it. That's true. See, very different. So Betty frightened Dan so much that he tried to take her to a mental facility, but instead Betty ran to her car and drove over to Coral Reef. Oh, my God. Dan followed her in his car. She went up the stairs to their once shared master bedroom. Betty undressed and got (laughs) into their once shared bed. Oh, my God. Dan went up the stairs, got undressed and lied next to Betty in bed. They slept together one last time. Stop. I swear. Dan saying that he thought it might be therapeutic for Betty. Oh, man. Yeah. To give her one last bang, he thought it was going to be therapeutic for them. So this was all after trying to get her to go into a, uh, to have her committed. Yeah. And instead they had adult aerobics. Exactly. 
But then in that moment, he's well, cheated. Well, exercise on- is good for you. Well, okay. But in that moment, now he's cheated on Linda with his ex, with his That's wife. That's a good point. Yeah. So now he's a double cheater. Yeah, but it was for a good cause. Right. So it's different. But my mom always says, if he's going to cheat with you, he's probably going to cheat on you. Absolutely, he That's is. That's it. Yes. Right. That's but my true. mom is smart. She has some good things that yeah. she likes to say. Okay. So this man keeps leading her on, right? She wants to be led on. She wants right. to but, maintain this this uh, fantasy that she has he, a marriage. He keeps... He keeps leading her on. But she's not stupid. No, she's not stupid. But she's stupid when it comes to Dan. Yeah. Okay. A week later, Dan took Linda to the Notre Dame-USC football game in South Bend. The same exact weekend, almost 20 years before, where Dan and Betty had met. I believe out of everything that that had hurt Betty the worst. And she never came back from that hurt and rage. I think he knew this was going to push her over the edge, which no matter what he did, she's going to look worse. Yeah. And he can officially dump her. And he's always going to look good because he does things behind the scenes, but she's doing scenes right out in the open. Right. Or she's making scenes right out in the open. Yeah. Yeah. I have to give it to Dan. I really do. It seemed like he might have tried in the beginning to keep their divorce civil. Yeah, because he wasn't throwing stuff right. around. So he let her see the kids whenever she wanted and even paid for Betty to take the kids on a couple week-long vacations. Yeah. But ultimately, something would set Betty off and she would react. Betty's first impulse was to break something, anything that would get Dan's attention. When she couldn't destroy something of his, she began using her words. And boy, did this woman have quite the vocabulary for vulgarity. I bet. Say that five times fast. (laughs) Vocabulary for vulgarity. Yeah. (laughs) Betty cussed like a sailor. Poor sailors. They get such a bad rap. (laughs) She also referred to Dan as the F face. (laughs) Wow. And Linda was referred to as the see you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. C-U-N-T. Ah. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Uh Sorry, I'm a little slow. That's okay. I just don't want to say them out loud because they're pretty vulgar. That's funny. Yeah. So. All right. So after this, she never called Dan Dan, really. She (laughs) called him the F face. She called him the F face. And she refused. Where's the C and the F face? That's awesome. Yeah. And she refused to call Linda Linda. She called her the C-U-N-T. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even in front of the children. Oh. We're going to keep bringing it back but to the see, kids, But see, that's people, the problem is she's awful. just digging her own grave. Yeah, she is. Her her own divorce grave. Uh, but she, maybe she... I don't think she cares anymore. No, and she could not control her impulses. No. This woman, I don't know. Maybe no, he completely, she needed some medication. He I drove think. her and she drove herself mm-hmm. over the edge. Yeah. So Dan's first impulse, on the other hand, was to use the law against Betty, a little something called an order to show cause, which is otherwise known as an OSC. Yep. The Wikipedia definition of this type of court order is that it requires one or more of the parties in a case to justify, explain, or prove something to the court. Dan's first order to show cause was the Boston cream pie incident. 
The next was the wine through the window. The long list of OSCs include a champagne bottle through a stained glass window at Coral Reef. They had a stained glass window. Doesn't everyone? Isn't that like high society stained glass Uh, windows? I don't know. I don't want a stained glass window. Mm, No. A tossed toaster. Oh, those are the best. Mm -hmm. A smashed stereo. Yeah. Broken hallway mirror. Hammer holes in almost every wall in the house. Oh, my gosh. She went through with the freaking hammer. Yeah. Spray painted new wallpaper because Betty hated the way Dan had redecorated Coral Reef. So she went in there. So she's completely lost it. She's psychotic. Yes. Okay. A broken television. Oh, that's where I draw the line. A smashed answering machine. You remember having oh, an answer machine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And many broken windows. Betty had even attacked Dan's car a few times oh. when he was dropping off the children. Sure. Betty had ripped off the antenna, tried to pull off his door, yeah. and threw yeah. a rock at his car that put a large dent in the side. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she seems uh, she seems see. totally uh, sane and stable. I, I know what Betty looks like, so it's funny to me. I can picture her like... <laughs> Having this huge rock and like stumbling over to his car and (laughs) throwing it at his red Corvette. What a psychopath. Oh, yeah. All of these instances were being documented for future divorce proceedings as a way to show that Betty was unhinged and a danger to herself and the children. Wow. She was a crazy lady. (laughs) But Betty's most favorite thing to do oh good the thing that gave her the most joy and pleasure was to leave messages on dan's home answering machine when she realized that dan had purchased the newest technology she began telling dan everything that she wanted to say to him over that machine so she's just feeding the his his case to divorce her yes like everything he could possibly want to and divorce her these are answering machines, so they have tapes. Right. Don't you remember pulling yeah. out the tapes yeah. and then, yeah. So everything is being taped. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is not a voicemail. She doesn't care. No, not at all. She wants to um, harass him into wanting her back. Right. Because that always works. Okay. So I have to read some of the oh. documented messages because they are oh, just good. too good. All right. Okay, I'm going to laugh. All right. This is a message to F-Head and the See You Next Tuesday. You have one hell of a nerve dumping the kids here on the sidewalk and zooming away without making any attempt to communicate with me about my plans for the weekend. Make me sick, both of you. I have a good mind to dump the kids back on you and drive away. Call me. We have a lot to talk about, (laughs) asshole. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> sorry, I said what the real the, word. What what does she think? Wait, I'm not happen? done. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. All right. And come pick up your four children that you're working so hard to have custody of. Congratulations. You can have them. Oh my god. All right. A few minutes later she called again. Of course she did. F head, come get the kids. I want to get rid of them, but I don't like driving to your crappy neighborhood. Hurry up and come get them, a hole. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. An hour later, F head and the see you next Tuesday. Come get the kids. Okay, you know what? I bet the kids are standing right there while she's doing it. Yeah, this. she's leaving mm-hmm. a message. Yeah. 
And in her last call of that day, I actually love this machine because then I can really just say anything I want. Tell the kids that you don't think it's wrong that you're screwing the C-U-N-T in the hall that has her legs wide open for anybody who comes by and you paid for it. (laughs) God, you got a sense of humor. I love it. You're all effed. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's saying this over the answering machine. She has completely just... She's so unstable. Yeah. And there's even some where she um, she threatens to kill him. Oh, man. Like, she literally tells him, I'll kill okay, you so at the end. Okay, so at this point, why can't he just divorce her? Why can't he just... Because she keeps dragging her feet and stalling. Because she won't agree to it? She won't agree she to won't anything. Sign? She won't sign anything. Oh, just wait till I tell you what it's been, what it was like when they were trying to sell the house. It's crazy. This woman is crazy. So when did California become a no-fault divorce <gasps> state? I knew you were going to ask me that. Oh, Crap. sorry. I um. No, so there it was, was a point after this. Yeah, there was. There came a point, right, where you no longer would have to do all this. Right. You could just be like, yeah, I'm divorcing them whether they want to or not. Right. Because California over. is a no fault state. I believe it was in the early 90s, like between 90 and 95. Okay. Yeah. I believe that's when it became a no fault state. Yeah. Get divorced in California, people. Well, no, because there's some states that it's very difficult. Yeah. And so if the other person just flat out doesn't participate <clears throat> in the divorce, it's right. Like, I mean, you could be separate, you could be legally separated. You could. Basically, right. legally say I'm separating this person, but they until they actually agree to it, you're not divorced. Right. Remember in Reno, people used to get divorced in Reno all the time because all you would have to do is come and prove that you lived in Reno for I think it was three weeks, oh. and then you could be divorced. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I know Vegas has drive-through weddings and drive-through divorces. That's true, and that's Nevada. Yeah. So yeah, California is the best state to get divorced in. If you're going to win. <laughs> yeah. Was, if you're yeah, not going to win, it sucks. Yeah. Over the course of their four-year divorce battle, Betty had left hundreds of messages like these ones, and 99% of them were very bad for Betty. <laughs> they looked very bad for her. But they were solid gold evidence for Dan. I bet. Dan did try to stop Betty from leaving the vulgar messages, Because the kids were living with Dan full time and hearing these awful things that their mother was saying. And she wasn't just saying these awful things about Dan and Linda. She's saying awful things about the kids. Yeah. But when confronted with this truth, Betty didn't care, nor did she stop. Dan began charging Betty for her foul language, almost like an expensive cuss jar. (laughs) Betty was charged $100 for every cuss word, $250 for every time she stepped foot on his property, $500 each time she broke into Dan's home and $1,000 every time she took one of her, one of the children without her, his permission. Sometimes she would just pick them up from school and like take them. So he would just not give her the money and there's nothing she could do about it. Right. Like the total was deducted from Betty's monthly check. One time she owed, she owed Dan $1,300 for one month. And remember, she was getting $5,000 a month from Dan right. out of the goodness of his heart. Like this was not court ordered. This was just a check that he would send her. Right. So if she pissed him off, he would not send her the check. 
And if she did all of this stuff, he would deduct it from her check. So one time she ended up owing him money at the end of the month. What an idiot. Which one? Both of them? (laughs) No, her. Yeah. And then she would go around town telling everybody that Dan's leaving her destitute and she's not getting her money. And and then, you know, like her bills would stack up and then she would owe interest on them. Right? Yeah. Like she would owe late payments on things. So then that took even more of her money. Oh, my gosh. Fun fact. Ready for this one? Yes. Linda's voice was the original outgoing message on the answering machine. That is what would send Betty off, is she would hear Linda's voice. A judge finally ordered Dan to, quote unquote, get the girlfriend off the machine. But that really, yeah, but that really didn't change much because Betty still blasted Dan and Linda over the machine. Why would a judge tell him to get his girlfriend's voice off the machine? Because a psychiatrist that Betty had gone to had said, said that, that that is what her? is setting Betty off is hearing Linda's voice when she called. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an odd thing to require. But. Well, because Betty didn't want to see any sort of evidence that Linda was living at Coral Reef. But that's not her decision. It's not. Absolutely. I mean... If Absolutely. she didn't like it, she should divorce him. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And and make a life with her boyfriend. Remember, you guys? <sighs> Betty had a boyfriend this entire time. Actually, oh a really nice gosh. boyfriend that put up with all of her crap. Wow. All right. I need to give an example of the mind games Dan was playing with Betty. Doesn't seem like it'd be difficult. On her 38th birthday, just two days after serving her with another OSC for destroying something... Dan sent Betty a huge bouquet of flowers with a handwritten note saying, Dear Bets, I know the circumstances will make it impossible for you to have a happy birthday this year, but I wanted you to know that the kids and I are thinking of you and hope you start to feel better soon. Love, Dan. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Was he messing with her to drive her even more crazy or was it a nice gesture? No, of course he's messing with her. (laughs) I don't, I mean, I don't know, whatever. Two weeks later, Betty sent him an expensive shirt for his birthday, and he sent it back. <laughs> so she thought, oh, things are back to normal. He sent me right. flowers. Or we're just corresponding we're, in a nice way. I guess way. we're doing well again. Right. But oh, he sent it wow. back, so she gave it to her boyfriend to wear. <laughs> Communication by this point is only through mail, courier, or the children. Dan would decide whether or not Betty would get the kids for the weekend by her actions and tone of that week. If he didn't like something she said or did, she was not allowed to have the children. And Dan also decided to sell Coral Reef and get a house of his own. He believed that the house was Betty's last tie to him and maybe by selling the home, she could walk away from him. But aren't the kids really what is binding them together? I would think so, yes. Right. That's typical. But Betty was pissed. She did not want Dan to sell their house. But Dan had purchased purchased that antebellum mansion overlooking Balboa Park and was ready to wipe his hands of Coral Reef and three house payments. Yeah, I would be. Yeah, because he's still paying for her La Jolla Shores house. Oh, my gosh. We are coming upon the Christmas season of 1985. We are still in 1985. 
This wow. just slays me. She doesn't have a lot. Well, she doesn't have anything else to do. No, she doesn't. So mm-hmm. she just sits around and stews on this. Yes. Right? Right. And reads all the letters and court appointed. Like she's reading all the stuff that's coming through her mail. And at and this point, stewing. she has also a live-in boyfriend, right? Or a boyfriend of sorts. He's not living. Not living. Technically. But he, she has a guy. Yeah, she has a dude. Mm-hmm. And he's okay with it. He is, which is so crazy to me. That is a, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. So he owned a fencing company. His parents were really, like really when wealthy. You, when you fight with swords? No, like oh. you actually put up fences. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. so he, he owned a fencing company. So I think he was pretty busy too during that time. Okay. All right, well, Betty would be spending her favorite holiday without the children and Dan. In years past, Betty and Dan would take the family on a week-long skiing trip during Christmas. Betty brought it up to Dan, and he immediately agreed to pay for the cost of the trip for Betty and the kids. Writing in a letter that he would cover travel and hotel expenses, plus $2,000 extra. Also stating that he was planning on going on a skiing trip beginning on the 21st, and he'd be happy to let her keep the children while he was away for Christmas. So he's offering her the kids for Christmas, okay? You know what Betty got pissed about? What? That Dan was giving her a $2,000 budget for extras, and that over that amount, she would have to pay for herself. So she didn't go. What? She was pissed that he was giving her only only $2,000 to spend. All right. Right. Beyond all the normal expenses. Beyond all the normal expenses. And that he was like. And this is 1985. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, so that's about mm, like $3,500. No, it'd be a lot more than that. No, it's not. It's almost double. Yeah. Today. Okay. No, I've been been looking at all All that stuff. Yeah. So that's what she was mad about. Wow. So she didn't go. And the kids went with Dan and Linda on a week-long skiing trip over the Christmas holiday. Okay. So well, that's fine. she stayed by herself. This was the first time that Dan was taking Linda public on a trip with the kids. Kind of like a family. Sure. Betty was enraged, but Betty did it to herself. In one article I read, Betty states that the date of her separation was December 21st, 1985, because that's when Betty realized that she had been replaced. Uh, oh, now she realized she's right. been replaced. Okay. Right. She didn't realize it before. So Betty did what she did best and broke into Coral Reef and destroyed any present that had the name Linda on it and threw something hard at a mirror above the mantle. She can't remember what that was. <laughs> also, Dan, while Dan was on this trip, he sent Betty flowers with a handwritten note that said, Dear Bets, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Love, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Linda had known about the flowers. I don't think she cares. I think she knows that he's just effing with her, kind of messing with her, and yeah. All right, hold on. Let's say you're you're my I'm Dan, and you're my girlfriend, Linda. Okay, right? and Ooh, I have let's this, go back. I have this crazy ex, oh. soon to be ex Betty. Okay, what would you be te- recommending I do? Don't mess with her. Right? Wouldn't you yeah. say like? Honey, please don't do that. I'd say don't don't stop messing with her. She is a psychopath. She is going to kill you. She's so unhinged. She's going to do something yeah. bad. I would say what I tell our children: don't poke the bear. 
Yeah. Stop poking the bear. You're going to get hurt. And he's probably like, ah, it's fine. I, I'm a super lawyer. So oh, she can't Bets, touch me. Yeah, Bets isn't going to do anything. She is all talk. Yeah, but wouldn't blah, blah, you blah. want? Wouldn't you want to progress with your new family relationship? Yes. With me. Yes. And be like, okay, how? What do we need to do? Yeah. To end this, what what would be the best way? Right. To make this not be the way it is. How many dates or dinners were ruined by bringing up Betty's name? Like yeah. when Dan and Linda would go out to dinner. Like how many That's times? That's a lot of baggage. Yeah. Like she has to date Dan with Betty. Yeah. And it's not just Betty. It's like this whole giant drama. And it's four kids. He's, and four kids. He's bringing a crazy ex-wife and four kids. Man. What did Dan have that was so attractive to Linda? Because Linda could have had know. anybody. But she wanted Dan, this nerdy guy. Actually, he wasn't nerdy towards the end. He was, he kind of fixed himself up a lot. Maybe he just came off as this strong, confident, wealthy, powerful, everything she wanted. Yeah, I guess so. She is young. Yeah. She's half his age, right? Almost. Yes. Mm-hmm. Half, almost, almost. Almost half his age. Yeah. Okay. After Dan returned from the ski trip and saw what Betty had done, he filed another order to show cause. All right. Just keep doing that, Dan. Okay. Okay. I really think I've given you enough examples of this toxic relationship. I think I got the general idea. Right. I got a picture. And there's so many more. I bet. But, you know, I can't get into all of it because then it'll be a four-hour episode. Yeah, no one wants that. No one wants that. Mm -mm. Dan moved into the new house in Marston Hills on January 3rd, 1986 with the kids and Linda. Is Marston Hills a, a nice area? Yeah, it's the one I was talking about that overlooks... Balboa Park. Oh, okay. All right. The, I, the I one that they mentioned Marston Hills. Yeah, so I want, I'm going to call this one Marston Hills. Gotcha. Okay. Since they like to name all of their properties. Sure. And it butts right up to Hillcrest. Okay. So like, all right. What is it? The 163, Hills. like in that area. Gotcha. Okay. Benny knew how to get back at Dan. She would drag her feet at the sale of Coral Reef. She would sign the papers wrong, like, <laughs> like sign it on the wrong line. She wouldn't show up to meetings. She would say that the price was too low and demand more money. Oh, my God. Dan had offered Betty half the sale of the house plus $18,000 for, like, improvements for her house at La Jolla Shores. Right. And her attorney's fees. So in this instance, he was offering to pay her attorney's fees. Right. Out of the sale of the home. Right. But Betty refused to accept the offer. So Dan got a court order to sell the house without Betty's consent using what is called a four-hour notice, which means that Dan was able to make his case to a judge, whether Betty was in the courtroom or not, to which Betty was not. Once the judge decided Betty was being unreasonable, a court-appointed official would be signing the documents for the sale of Coral Reef. Betty had absolutely no idea that this had happened until her attorney contacted her. But her attorney also stated that he had warned her that this was probably going to happen if she kept refusing to sign the documents for the sale of the house. Betty turned down the stove as to not overcook the roast she had been preparing for dinner and jumped in her Suburban. She drove the 15 miles south to Dan's new house and pounded on his front door. Dan was not there, but the two oldest daughters were. 
They reminded their mother that she was not allowed inside the house, so Betty sat down on the front step and waited for Dan. He arrived soon after, and instead of having a conversation with Betty, he ordered her off his property and slammed the front door in her face. Betty got in her Suburban and headed back to La Jolla, the Coral Reef house to be exact, and broke in. Of course she did. Betty found a gas can in the garage and began pouring gasoline all throughout the home. Betty lit a small portion of a rug on fire, but before it became out of control, she had a moment of clarity and put the fire out. Betty then drove back to Dan's new house and drove her two-ton, big-ass car into his front door. Oh, no. Yeah. Of course he did. See? Yes. She also happened to have a butcher knife in the front passenger seat. Yeah, that's something they don't like to tell you, but I found it. Betty was committed and put on a 72-hour hold. Dan called her in the facility and asked her what it would take for her to stop. She told him $40,000 more. <laughs> what? But- <laughs> if she had agreed to, to sell the house, she would have got more than that. Exactly. Betty was a stupid woman. <laughs> Betty was evaluated in the facility and was diagnosed with borderline personality, which is a mental disorder characterized by unstable moods, behavior, and relationships. She was also diagnosed as having histrionic personality, which I've never heard of this before. It's a disorder which is characterized as a pattern of excessive attention-seeking behaviors, such as inappropriate seduction and excessive desire for approval. Oh, wow. Isn't Isn't that interesting? And also narcissistic personality, which is having an excessive interest in oneself and one's physical appearance. But I think Dan had narciss- was narcissistic as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They both uh-huh. were. So they both were. You got two narcissistic people coming together. It is bound to blow up. And they're okay as long as they're together. Right. But as soon as she got cut off, yeah, it just, she mm-hmm. snapped. Betty also admitted to having homicidal thoughts towards Dan and Linda. After Betty was released... Dan sent her the hospital bills. <laughs> yeah, because that, that seems like that would work. Yeah. And so Dan. Oh, my God. Here's what's funny is that Dan was a lawyer, right? But he had a medical degree. Right. So he was an MD. So he never threw around the fact that he was an MD. It's just not something that he did. But when Betty was committed, he was like, oh, I'm Daniel Broderick, the third MD, so that he could get all of the information about Betty. Oh, mm-hmm. so yeah. he could use her against herself, exactly. basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the four years since Dan walked out and he and Betty no longer lived together, Betty was fined thousands of dollars, jailed for contempt twice, institutionalized once, threatened with more legal action, hired and fired four attorneys, and eventually represented herself in the divorce hearings. Nice. Yeah, she represented herself, and she she did okay. Go, so she did okay. Dan's a smart guy, right? What what was his exit strategy for all this? That's Don't my know. that's my thing. Is that's a great what, question. What the hell is people's exit strategy? He wanted Betty to go away, and he just wanted to. But would you would you start Linda? to try and come up with a plan? Like I would consult lawyers, even though I am a lawyer. I would consult lawyers and say. How can I be rid of her? She is crazy. 
I need to plan something. I need well, to figure something out. I think aside he, from killing her. I think he was trying to figure it out. I mean, he would do little things like charge her for cussing, and he. But that would just set her off. Yeah, I don't know. And it, he would send her on vacation. He would try to cl- calm her down. I by think sending her. What? I think it was entertaining to mess with her. Oh, it's like poking a bear, like you said. But it's behind a cage. Right. So that she can't really do anything back. Right. And oh, when she Betty's... does, she looks bad. So it's like, right. in a way, he's proving he's superior. Right. Like, oh, Betty, she's not going to do anything. She's never going to do anything. Because if he really wanted the outcome, which she should want, which is for her to just go away. Like, right. don't go away, Mad. Just go away. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. He wouldn't do that. Right. He would poke her. He would do something. But anytime he gave her an inch... She would try to take a mile. Yeah. Anytime he would show kindness, she would think, oh, well, maybe this, maybe he doesn't want to divorce me. Maybe right. this is just a fling, but it wasn't. Yeah. So. Hmm. In January of 1989, Dan and Betty Broderick's divorce was finalized. Betty walked away with $16,000 a month in alimony, which is about $36,000 in today's market. Dang. Yeah. And a cash award of only. Only $28,000, which is about $63,000 today. Betty was accept- was expected to receive a settlement close to a million dollars, which is worth over $2 million today from Dan, but received much less because of a little known legal term called Epstein credits. There it is. And Ep- Jeffrey Epstein. No, this has nothing to do with that piece of garbage oh. who is rotting in hell right now. No, this has to do with a 1979 divorce, and their last name was Epstein. Gotcha. (laughs) Yeah, in California. Okay. An Epstein credit is a right to be reimbursed by the other spouse for one half of separate property money used after the date of separation to pay a community debt. There must be two things met before the courts will order a reimbursement of any and all traceable funds. Number one, a physical separation of spouses, which means that one has had to have moved out of the family home since Dan left the house in February of 1985, which to the courts is considered the day of their separation. Anything Dan paid on their communal properties with just his income, Betty now owes half of that. Oh, wow. Such as the down payment and mortgage on the La Jolla Shores home credit cards, car loans, lawyer's fees, and even the money Dan paid for Betty's trips with the kids. Basically, anything that Dan paid out from his own bank account and not an account he shared with Betty during February of 1985 through January of 1989 that had to do with communal property, Betty owed him half. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, I bet that added up considerably it did number two at least one spouse must have intent to end the marriage but dan never mentioned the word divorce until betty was served with the paperwork in september of 1985 he referred to his time away as a time to think but this is also according to betty's account which if accurate means that she did not owe half of the purchase price for the La Jolla shores house 
since it was purchased before Dan had shown intent to end the union. Oh. All right. That's what I figured out. Yeah. But according to court documents, she owed that money and it was taken out of her divorce settlement. (laughs) Yeah. Which brought her settlement down to almost nothing, considering Dan was making millions and millions, well, not millions and millions, but making millions of dollars every year in his private practice. Wow. And she walked away with no connection to his practice. Like she had, she got nothing from his, his law firm. And that goes back to the thing where you said, why didn't she participate? With him, right. like help him out right. and be kind of immerse herself in it. Yeah, she's a smart girl. But she was so obsessed with just wanting to live the lifestyle and the image yeah. that she basically didn't have anything to do with him while he was at work. Right. That was her first mistake. Betty also lost custody of the all four of the children who were now 19, 18, 13, and 10. Oh, what a stupid woman. Since Dan was now finally divorced after a four-year battle, Dan believed it was a good idea to get married again. (laughs) Yes, because that should go over really well. On April 22nd, 1989, only 10 days after what would have been Dan and Betty's 20th wedding anniversary, Dan and Linda were married in the backyard of Dan's Marston Hills mansion. I guess she wasn't invited. Friends and family were nervous that Betty might try to stop the wedding yeah. or show up with the Smith & Wesson she had purchased a couple months before. And what? she Dan. Yeah. Oh. 38. Uh-huh. All right. Linda tried to convince Dan to wear a bulletproof vest, but he refused. I'm sure he thought it was going to make him look fat. Well, it would. Instead, yeah, it would. Instead, agreeing to hire security guards for a few days prior to, during, and after the wedding. The wedding went off without a hitch, and the new Mr. and Mrs. Broderick left for their Caribbean honeymoon. When they returned, the first thing Linda Broderick did was put her voice on the outgoing message on the answering machine. (laughs) She was no longer the girlfriend. She was now the wife. Boom! All right. Linda, what are you doing? I feel like this isn't going to end well. <laughs> After the wedding, Betty began to spiral. No. Even more. She's, How could she start to spiral? I don't know. She still had Brad Wright, but for some reason, she still wanted Dan. I don't even know if she wanted Dan. I think she just wanted to get revenge on Dan. I, I would say so. I don't think she wanted to like marry Dan again or go back to you know being his wife, but... I think she just wanted revenge, but she hated him with every fiber of her being. Clearly. The messages on the machine continued, but by now the children were older and the two youngest boys understood what was happening. All they wanted to do was to live with their mom, but Betty kept doing and saying things that gave Dan the ammunition to keep the boys away. Honestly, the real victims in this case were the four kids. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. They were always put in the middle of Dan and Betty's mess that they caused. I'm going to read the transcript of a taped conversation between Betty and the oldest of the boys. Now, this is going to break your heart, and I just want everybody to keep in mind that this child is only 12 years old. Oh, jeez. This is awful. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. It's super long, so I'm just going to read little snippets of it. Okay? Okay. (laughs) Okay, Melissa. All right. Betty. He's so stupid, he doesn't care. But the money is mine. I earned it. 
I earned it for 20 years of hard work and total crap from that a-hole. Okay, this is from the sun. Yeah, but you're never going to see us again if, don't you even care about your family besides the stupid money? I care perfectly about my family. I took absolute perfect care of my family. I was the best mommy in the whole world and the best wife in the whole world. It's not my fault your father is such an F-head. Oh, jeez. Then how come you won't just shut your mouth so we can come over there? I care plenty about my family. I only worked 24 hours a day for 17 years. So then, well, fine. If it isn't your fault, then why don't you just mind your own business? (laughs) What do you mean, mind my own business? And don't care who he's seeing. He could be seeing a totally different girl. It wouldn't make a difference. Well, I guess you're a real California kid. Congratulations. Your brain is scrambled eggs. You've been oh, living with him too geez. long. You don't have any sense of values, right and wrong, up and down, in and out, black and white, truth or lie. If you stay living with him, your whole head will go scrambled. Well, all you care about is the money. What else do you care about besides your money and your share of things to own? I cared about my family bad enough to put up with him, to put up with him effing Linda for two years. This is how she's talking to this a 12-year-old. Th- I actually am kind of impressed with this kid. Yeah. Because he's actually yeah. trying to speak just common sense right. to this psychopath woman. Right. It's not only Linda's fault. It's dad's fault, too. And it's your fault, mom. Why? Oh. Because you keep on saying bad words. Yep. Listen, the first Christmas your father took you guys away from me and effed Linda right in front of you at the ski place. We were married, and I wasn't calling anybody a see you next Tuesday then. What ski place? In Utah. We were married when he did that. Yeah, but you were still separated. Well, what difference does that make? We were still married, and you are my four kids, and he took you away from me at Christmas and put you in an ugly apartment where he could F his secretary. He didn't take us away. You gave us to him. Oh, man. I like this kid. I know. He's super smart. On Christmas? No, on Easter. You sent me over there on Easter and a couple hours more. The other kids were over here. Uh Uh-huh, and you've just been having a good time ever since, haven't you? Oh, my God. She is completely psychopath at this point. No, we haven't. We're having a horrible time. You keep on saying those bad words, and we're never going to be able to come over there if you don't stop. And if you don't stop, it just shows me that all you care about is your money. Well, this house isn't as pretty as that house. Yeah, it is. It's a lot prettier. Well, it's in a better spot. I don't like you in gay town with all the criminals and all the, she says another bad word, and the old folks and the drug deals. Okay, so she says gay town, which she's referring to Hillcrest, which oh, right, yeah. it is on the border of where Marston Hills is. And I worked in Hillcrest for years, and it's a really fun place. So, yeah. Betty, you can suck it. If you don't stop saying bad words, you're never going to be able to see you again. Yeah, well, as soon as I get a fair settlement from daddy, then I'll discuss custody. It's all about the money. We aren't allowed to be around you if you're saying bad words, mom. Well, and the see you next Tuesday is allowed to be around you who's been effing him. What's wrong with that? You guys are divorced, so dad can be with anybody he wants. I didn't get a divorce. Daddy got the divorce. I'm still married. 
Oh, God. Yeah. So it goes on and on and on. This and poor it's kid. So, so sad. Ugh. It's really sad. This poor kid never should have Jeez. had to deal with that and be in the middle of his parents' divorce. Now that everybody is so, genuinely hurt so here's, for this poor okay, child. Okay, so here's my thing. Hmm. Why wouldn't he just change his phone number? Oh. Right? <laughs> I didn't even think That's of that. That's what I'm thinking this whole time is, why is he allowing right. her to reach him? But I think she needed to have contact with the kids or be able to get in contact with, with the kids. that? And there's no the, cell phones. But that's what happens. Right. No, I know there's no cell phones. But it, but that's the result of the conversation. So right. I would go back to the court and go, um, yeah, I can't have her calling them because they yeah. he is or she, he, she is ruining them. She's huh. crazy. I did not even think of that. I mean, what's she going to do? What What if the phone just didn't work anymore? Right. Or hell, just get a different phone number and don't have a phone connected to that number. Yeah. So when okay. she calls, it just rings. Right. It just rings and rings. <laughs> and, yeah. And then after four rings, um, Linda's voice comes All on. Right. <laughs> Hi. Hi, guys. Hi, Betty. I know it's you. Yeah. <laughs> it's me. Okay, I got to finish this up. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Now, Linda, speaking of Linda, okay, now okay. Linda wasn't doing much to smooth over the chaos either. Oh. There are documented instances where Linda had mailed diet and wrinkle cream ads to Betty at the La Jolla Shores Stop. house. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. She even mailed a newspaper cutout, which had a photo of Dan and Linda's engagement in a San Diego newspaper with the words, eat your heart out, bitch written across it but some people think that betty had actually written those words across it but betty like pinned it to her um to her refrigerator <laughs> so anybody that came in would see that do, do you, can you imagine what goes through her head so she's no. sitting in a house by herself with her no. boyfriend yeah so i can't even i i want to talk about the boyfriend but it's so much so yeah. she's just sitting there all day long mm -hmm. stewing Day yeah. in and day out, month after month. Yeah, because she has nothing else she to do. She has nothing to do. No. And, and she would get little odd jobs, but she would end up leaving. But everyone those. knows who she is at this point. Right. Because she's uh -huh. so public and it's just like, oh, she is a psychopath. Stay away yeah. from her. Yeah. Don't do anything. You're gonna you're gonna regret <laughs> it. So Linda also refused to give Betty back her wedding china. Okay. She if because they wanted Betty to write out a list of things that she wanted. But okay. Betty refused because she just wanted to go over there and take everything that she sure. wanted. She didn't want to have to sit there and write out a list of everything. She was so stubborn. Oh, my gosh. But according to friends and family of Linda, she also feared Betty. But why would you keep poking the bear if you feared, if you feared her? I right? Don't know. Linda begged Dan to at least get an alarm system installed in their house, to which Dan refused. What? Saying that if they got an alarm, Betty would have won. That's so stupid. It's... We were like middle class in San Diego, and we still had an alarm. Yeah. Dan knew Betty had a gun, and she had threatened to kill them multiple times. I don't know why he kept refusing to get an alarm. A home security yeah, system. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense It at doesn't. All. It really doesn't. Since Dan and Linda were newlyweds, they needed the summer to do newlywed things. So Dan agreed to let Betty have the boys for the summer. This is in 1989. Betty putting $5,000 down on a membership at the La Jolla Beach and Tennis Club. Betty was thrilled to be seen again at such an affluent place. 
It was the best summer for all of them. Wow. Betty had also decided to sell the La Jolla Shores property since it was hers. She was asking $1.5 million, which is over $2 million in today's market. It'd be more than that. Yeah, I think it's closer to three. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Betty decided to cut down on her expenses and buy a two-bedroom condo in La Jolla. Okay. Betty had a thing for La Jolla. Sounds like it. Yeah, and her she always said that it was so the kids could stay in the same school. Do you know what? If she had just sold and moved to Bakersfield. <laughs> She'd be living the oh life. Oh, my gosh. She would have been set. <laughs> That's true. She could have loved, just yeah. immersed herself in Bakersfield lifestyle. And the air quality. Yeah. yeah. Wear a mask. <laughs> in October of 1989, Dan and Linda went on a five-star vacation to Greece. Ooh. Fun. Yeah. And left the kids with the housekeeper during the week and Linda's friend on the weekends. Betty was infuriated. I bet. Why hadn't she been asked to take the kids? She's a psychopath. When the Broadricks got back, Betty took them to court and a judge actually ruled that Betty was to get the kids during Dan and Linda's vacations. Betty had finally had some sort of victory. Huh. Yeah. So that's good. So even with all the evidence, a judge is like, yeah, I know she's totally unhinged and, right. and just completely crazy, but I think she should have the kids when you're on vacation. But she is the mother, so maybe she should have the kids while the father is on vacation. But she's crazy. But she's crazy. I know. Okay. I know. Right. Betty had the boys the weekend of November 3rd, 4th, and 5th. On Saturday the 4th, Betty took the boys to get haircuts. Spent $400 on groceries, walked along the beach, told her friends that she couldn't possibly have the kids for Thanksgiving because Dan still had not given her their wedding china. Well, yeah, because if you don't have your wedding china, <laughs> life cannot proceed. You cannot have Thanksgiving without wedding china. Oh, God. Told right. a friend of her oldest daughter that she hated Dan and wanted to kill the a-hole. Mm-hmm. Must be nice. You know what? Yeah. People must have seen Betty walking towards them, and they mm-hmm. would like cross the street. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, totally. all this chick talks about is her ex-husband. I would mm-hmm. touch her with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. And Brad came over for the night. They all had dinner together and made plans to go to Tijuana the next day. Ooh, big spender. And Betty went to bed around 6.30 p.m. That was back in the day when we just went to Tijuana to like do shopping and stuff. Oh, okay. It wasn't. It's not like it is now? No. It wasn't like the crazy bars that I went to at yeah. 17, 18 years old. Right. Revolution Street. <laughs> <laughs> That's where all the bars were. And you'd take the trolley into Chula Vista and then you'd cross over into Mexico and then you'd take a cab to Revo- Revolution. Revolution. Revolution Street. And then all the nice. bars were there and they would never card you. No. I don't know how many times I threw up Midori Sours. Oh, gross. Okay. All right. Now, that same night, Dan and Linda went to dinner with some of their friends. They spent the night talking about their recent and upcoming vacations and even letting everyone know that they were trying for a baby. Oh, no. Let's just bring another soul into this dumpster Uh, fire, right? Yeah. Betty had gone to bed still wearing her pink linen pantsuit from the day before. But just because Betty went to bed does not mean that she had slept. She hadn't slept in months, possibly years. 
She spent those hours going over the last 20 years in her head and getting more and more angry. Yeah. Betty got up around 4 a.m. and went into the kitchen. She read two letters that had been delivered to her house the day before from Dan's attorney. One letter that was threatening to put her back in jail for three crude messages she had left on the Broderick's answering, answering machine. Another letter stating that in no way was the court allowing the boys to live permanently with Betty, but that Dan was willing to negotiate. Oh, boy. Yeah. Betty was done. She was exhausted from fighting all the time. She was anxious and depressed. She had gained 60 pounds and couldn't fit in her beautiful clothes any longer. (laughs) She was helpless. She was just a train wreck. She was. She just needed to talk to Dan and make him understand. If she could drive to if she could drive to his house and have a peaceful discussion, everything would be okay. And if Dan refused to listen, she would just kill herself with her thirty eight Smith and Wesson in front of him. Seems seems like a good good plan. At five AM, Betty left her house and drove to Marston Hills. She parked her car on the street in front of Dan's house, took the 38 out of her purse and the house key she had stolen from one of her daughters and walked up to the front door. Betty tried the key in the front lock, but it wouldn't turn. So she walked around to the back. The key fit the back door lock. Betty opened it and crept through the house. So no alarm. No alarm. Mm -mm. No dogs. No dogs. That was another thing I was going to talk about. Actually, I have it like. Oh, okay. Sorry. I have it like as a little side note. Okay. No dogs. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe, maybe Linda doesn't like dogs. Maybe. By this time, her oldest daughter was in college and living out of state, while her youngest daughter was living with her boyfriend in San Diego. So the house was quiet. Nobody was in the house but Linda and Dan. Okay. Betty made her way up the stairs and didn't go directly into the master bedroom. She instead went through a side door that entered the master bathroom. She walked into the master bedroom from a bathroom entrance entrance that put her directly in front of Dan and Linda's bed where they were sound asleep. Wow. Yeah. No one knows exactly what happened after that because Betty has told multiple stories and accounts And now claims to not have any memory of shooting Dan or Linda. Of course. But this is what investigators believe happened. Linda had woken up and yelled, call the police, which triggered Betty to shoot, hitting Linda in the chest. Betty fired again and hit Linda in the back of the head, severing the brain stem. So Linda died immediately. Dan was shot once in the back as he was reaching for the phone next to him on his bedside table. Two more shots were fired, one hitting the wall and one hitting Dan's bedside table. Dan was not dead, and Betty testified in her first hearing that she heard Dan say, Okay, you've shot me. I'm dead. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Betty then walked over to the phone that was now on the floor and broke the cord in half, like ripped the cord in half. Yeah. She then left out the main master bedroom door and threw the phone into the corner. So she purposely took his way of contacting for help. Right. She was in her right mind enough to know to do that. Right. She wanted him to die. Right. She went back outside by the back door, and she must have had the sense of mind to relock that door, since Brian and Brad found the door locked. Oh, yeah. So So she stopped enough to lock that door. 
Yeah, she very premeditated. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Okay. Betty got into her Suburban and drove to the payphone in Claremont. After talking with Diane and being told to stay put, Betty then called her youngest daughter. The daughter answered and Betty told her that she had just shot her father and that she would be headed over to their apartment. Can you imagine that phone call? No. Betty arrived hysterically crying and babbling. She told her what she had done and then tried to shoot herself, but that she had run out of bullets. Okay. I guess that's possible. Except she had two extra bullets. Yeah. She decided to shoot those at the wall and the bedside table. Yeah. Yeah. Her daughter asked if Dan was alive and Betty told her that he'd said something to her so he might be. Betty's daughter then phoned her sister in Arizona and told her what was going on. The oldest daughter then began ringing Dan's house, but no answer. She then began calling the San Diego Police Department and local hospitals. So it was actually the daughter who who was living in Arizona who got the police to her dad's house. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Yeah. Betty sent her middle daughter and the boyfriend back to the Shores house to check on the boys. While they were gone, Betty made a series of phone calls, one to her dad, one to her therapist, and one to another girlfriend, to which the friend later testified that Betty told her, it's true, they do poop their pants. I could hear him gurgling on his own blood. Oh, my God. Yeah. Eventually, after getting her affairs in order and hiring an attorney, Betty Broderick and her attorney drove to the downtown police station and surrendered. Learning only then that 44-year-old Dan Broderick and 28-year-old Linda Broderick were dead. Uh. Betty was charged with two counts of first-degree murder on November 7th, 1989 on her 42nd birthday. Wow. Which means I am the exact age now that Betty was when she murdered Dan and Linda. Which just blows my mind. Yeah. It blows my mind that I am now her age because she seems so old when it first happened. (laughs) That is because we are so old. Oh, stop it. (laughs) All right. Well, Betty didn't like to talk about the murders much and would refer to Dan and Linda as if they were still alive. She showed no remorse and never took the blame for her actions, insisting that Dan had pushed her to do it. Betty became a national sensation. The murders were featured on every major news outlet and national publication, and it blew up Court TV because Court TV had started. Right. Yeah. So everything dealing with Betty Broderick was on Court TV. I would watch it on that. There you go. (laughs) It was MTV or Court TV. Yeah. Yeah. People were either rooting for Betty or hating Betty. There was no in-between. So they would say, well, even though it was horrible, he kind of deserved it. He deserved it. it, right. Or, oh my God, Betty's the crazy ex-wife, blah, blah, blah. It was interesting to be- It's the a- train wreck no one could resist watching. Exactly, right. And yeah. it would be interesting being at social gatherings because I do remember like my parents and their friends getting in like these heated arguments about whether or not Dan and Linda deserved it. Number one, nobody deserves to be murdered. Nobody deserves to be killed like that. Right. They definitely did things to poke the bear, but nobody deserves to die like that. No, but she was completely unhinged at that point. She was. And I'm blaming Dan, and I think it's really sad that he did not have an alarm. 
They did not have but, dogs. Yeah, he did not he take not, any precaution. How could he not see this coming? No. Wouldn't you have somebody going, hey, Dan, um, yeah. you know, it's just me, but um, I think you should really be careful. Right. Because I think she's going to lose it. And Linda begged him to get an alarm system because Why she was frightened. Why didn't she just do it? Because Dan was the head of the oh, household. Okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, he's dead. What does he know? On October 22nd, 1990, Betty's trial began. It lasted three weeks and was filled with drama, not only coming from the testimony of witnesses, but also from the friends and family sitting in the courtroom. It was Betty's family on one side and Dan and Linda's family on the other. You could cut the tension with a knife. On October 30th, Betty herself took the stand and gave her side of the story. Betty wanted the jurors to know that she didn't intentionally kill Dan and Linda. She had gone over there to talk, but if Dan refused, she was going to kill herself. If anything, it was a crime of passion and not first-degree murder. But she didn't get. She didn't even attempt to talk. She literally no. went over there to she shoot them both. She said that that shooting the gun that many times that she was flinching. It was a flinch. Okay, but it's a thirty-eight revolver. Like you actually have to pull yeah, you have the to trigger. Squeeze the trigger. Yeah, I think it's that's not. A flinch. No, it's not a flinch. It's not super easy to. To no, pull you, the you triggers. actually, yeah, you actually, especially have to when pull. you're 42 and have carpal tunnel, it doesn't she's work. She's not, no, she's <laughs> probably in good shape. Uh, no, she gained 60 pounds. She's a okay. mess. This girl was a so mess. You're, so she was a big old tub. Well, I mean, they said she wore like let's a size say she was eight, a buck 30. Than me. Let's say she's a buck 30. Okay, so now she's 190 pounds. <laughs> I don't think that's a tub, but I'm just mean compared to what she did look like before. True. She was just a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Betty testified that she was an emotionally battered wife and had been driven over the edge by her ex-husband's psychological abuse and mental abuse. Okay. Okay. Betty was a very theatrical witness. I bet. Taking the jury in that courtroom through she and Dan's entire relationship step by step. Oh, God. But the prosecution portrayed Betty as a scheming murderess who had planned the killing of her ex-husband and his new wife, and that Betty was not a battered woman, using Betty's diagnosis in the mental facility as evidence. After six six weeks of testimony, Betty's trial ended in a hung jury. What? Two jurors held out for manslaughter and were refusing to budge, one even stating that he was surprised it took her so long. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. So Betty was retried a year later, and that jury came back with a conviction of guilt for two counts of second-degree murder. Okay, but this trial was way different in that the prosecution knew what they had messed up on because in the first case, the prosecutor barely mentioned the murder. Like, she thought she could convict her without having to go into the murder scene, and they realized that was a huge mistake. So... They focused on the pulling of the trigger and that she must have been a great shot because if that was just a flinch and she was able to shoot two people three times, once in the back, once in the head and once in the chest, that she that must have been pure luck. She had to be going and practicing shooting. She says she she only went once. Right. She said she only went and practiced once with this gun, but... I okay, don't know. You, she knew what the, she was doing. You've heard the stories, though. Like, it's, it's not easy to shoot, especially when you're in a very emotionally charged state. Right. Um, and have any sort of accuracy. Yeah. 
Exactly. When you hear about the the And they weren't still asleep. That's the thing. They had woken up. For some reason they had woken up. And Linda was splayed across the bed. So Linda had been moving towards Dan when she was shot, and Dan was moving towards the phone, which then he fell off the bed. Right. If they had been sound asleep when she had shot him, they would still be laying in the same position they were when they were asleep. So, so she these was having two, to try and shoot a moving target. Exactly. Exactly. So this was not a flinch. This was not an accident. This was deliberate and premeditated. Absolutely. Because it was. she went over to his house with a stolen key. Right. She stole that key on purpose. Right. And with the gun. If she just wanted to talk to him, I mean, she said she was going to kill herself, but I don't know. Why would huh. you take a gun or why would you do have more than one bullet? If you're not going to kill them, why would you go with? Well, um, yeah, I don't know. Fully. I mean, no, I know. We're just loaded. talking it out. Yeah, right. I don't know. That's a good point. Actually, what ended up changing the jurors, so they were hung too. And one of them suggested they listen to the tape of the son and Betty the phone call. I wouldn't have been a good juror. I would have listened to that and been like, yeah, she's guilty. That's what ended up happening. Yeah. Is that they listened to that one more time and it, it yeah, changed. Yeah, 12 year old child talking to his psycho mother. Yes, exactly. It's like, I don't care what she did. She's, exactly. She needs to be put away. So people who were hanging on to the manslaughter, they all came to conclusion that yeah. it would be second degree murder. Yeah. So she was sentenced to 32 years to life in prison. Betty has been denied for parole twice over the years. Gotcha. Okay. Two of her children even requesting from the parole board that their mother remain behind bars until she can admit wrongdoing. Wow. Yeah. Which Betty never has and probably never will. Betty Broderick is alive and well at 73 years old today. She resides at the California Institution for Women in Chino, California. Nice. We drive through Chino sometimes, huh? Yeah. It's a lovely place. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> it's built up a lot. It is. It's really bedroom, nice now. Bedroom community for LA. Yeah. Betty will be eligible for parole in 2032 when she is 84 years old. You can still squeeze a trigger at 84. Mm, yeah. After Betty was sentenced, she signed over her condo and control of all her finances to Brad Wright. The boyfriend. See, and that really, he's really the winner in this. You know what, Brad? <laughs> he stuck Brad, it out you to the won. very end. You won, Brad. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And she kept begging him to marry her and stuff in prison, and he never did. But I believe Hell that no. Brad is happily married now, and but he still keeps in contact with Betty. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't written a book? He hasn't written a book. You know what? Brad doesn't care. He's like, oh. Here's so the thing about care. Brad. He seems like a... Super laid back guy. Brad Lord. is the epitome of Southern California because after he found those bodies with Brian, he went sailing for the day. What? Yeah. Sailing? He went sailing. He was like, they don't need me anymore. So he you guys got sailing. it from here. You don't, you don't know anything from me, yeah. do you? Yeah. No, no, you're good. All right, I'm going yeah. sailing. After finding two bodies. Did he take anyone sailing or just went by himself? I don't know. It just says that wow. he was he was like, okay, you guys don't need me anymore. I'm going to go sailing. <laughs> <sighs> so to me, okay, that epitomizes the rich 
So the, the rich white guy in yeah. San Diego. So the other two kids, though, because the two were out college and then somewhere else living with the boyfriend. So there's right. two in the house with him. Yeah. I'm, did he take them sailing? No, he didn't take them sailing. So what did they do? They just have to sit around and <laughs> stew on the fact that their mom murdered their oh, dad? I'm sure family was over, friends, neighbors, and the girls, the older girls. He's like, you know what? This is this is too, yeah. too much for me. I'm going sailing. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I know. Bless his heart. <laughs> so my question has always been from the very beginning, why in the world didn't Dan not have a security system in his house, or at least dogs? Because he security knew Security system? Was... I would have a full-time security <laughs> guard. If he's making that kind of money, I would have 24-hour security. Yeah, and he didn't even live in a gated community. Like, okay, right. things, things That's what I mean. I would want a security right. patrol- Around right. the house with big with them holding big pictures of Betty going, yeah, if you see this crazy lady, you better watch out. Right. And I remember that's always my mom's. That's always what she says, too, whenever we talk about this case. It's like, if he only would have had an alarm system, things would have been different for sure. I guess. But if she really wanted to kill him, she could. She'd just catch right. him. Okay, she could have caught him coming out of his office. No, that's true. That's true. I mean, really, if you think about it, if someone really wants to kill you, they're going to do it unless they are locked up. If that's their intent, they're going to find a way. They're going to find a way. Mm -hmm. All right. So this is what I wish would have happened. Okay. Okay. I wish that Betty, she could have done like her freak out in the beginning. Sure. But I really wish that Betty would have gone to law school and had Dan pay for it. She was a smart girl. She could have done whatever she wanted to do. And I really believe that she could have done great things. And so in my fantasy, she would have gone to law school and become this really awesome divorce attorney or malpractice attorney and done better than Dan. She probably could have. And kicked his butt in court. She was so <laughs> obsessed yeah, with her fantasy. Right. And wanting to believe that it clouded the rest of her life. Yeah. Clouded all of her choices and decisions. It's a sad case. A really sad case. Dang. So fun fact. Another fun fact. In 1987, Dan was president of the San Diego Bar Association. Wow. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. pretty amazing. That was pretty big. Another fun fact. In 1992, and I distinctly remember watching this, Betty Broderick was interviewed by Oprah on her Oprah Winfrey show from prison. And it was the first time on camera that Betty had admitted to murdering Dan and Linda. Way to go, Oprah. Mm-hmm. Good job, so Oprah. So she got that out of her for the first time. Mm-hmm. Dang. Yep. So um, what did you think of my case? <laughs> yeah, that just has everything. It does. That has got all the good stuff. It really, really does. Man. I think that's why this case is so fanc- fascinating to me is because it has everything. Yeah. It's like a Hollywood movie. It, yeah, it's just this yeah. really slow train wreck. It's a slow burn. Oh, my gosh. And with an explosion at the end. Just with yeah. a lot of train cars behind it. And it just keeps piling up and just getting worse and worse. For sure. I really hope you all enjoyed my retelling of the Betty Broderick story, but I'm really glad it's over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Betty, you've been living in my brain for 30 years and I'm done. We can now close the book yeah. on Betty. Most of my information for this case came from the book Until the 12th of Never 
by Bella Stumbo, another book called Hell Hath No Fury by Brenna Taubman, and Betty's autobiography titled Telling on Myself, (laughs) (laughs) written by Betty in prison. Uh, Nice. Plus a ton of articles and, of course, documentaries, including the Netflix miniseries called Dirty John, the Betty Broderick Story. Nice. Yeah. So that's an interesting miniseries, and I understand why they had to do it the way that they had to do it. But, like, they didn't even have Brad in it, which I think Brad is a huge character. Yeah. And, you know, whatever. But it's good. It's highly entertaining, so go check that one out. Yeah. It'll it'll put... uh, Hair on your chest? Yeah. Well, no, it'll (laughs) it'll help to... It'll help you visualize what you just talked about. Right. It'll and, make more sense. Yeah. And a few of you have contacted me about that mini series and just how much you loved it. And I think we love it so much, especially in our gener- generation Xers, because Christian Slater plays Dan Broderick. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to me, that, you know, I'm a generation Xer. Help. He does play that. And I see kind of. And I see Christian Slater right there. I'm like, oh. See. You're so cute. And Amanda Pete plays uh, Betty Broderick. And I think she does a great job. Yeah. So they don't make her fat, though, which kind of bummed me out because, you know, Betty put on some pounds and they should have put on some they should, pounds they for Amanda Pete. They should have gotten her heavier for towards the end. They should have. But the thing I love about Amanda Pete is she lets herself look horrible. Yeah. When she needs to look horrible on screen. Yeah. But. Anyways, this isn't a movie review podcast. (laughs) No. No. All right. So my podcast recommendation of the week is called True Crime Cat Lawyer, which is hosted by Elise and her cat, Winston. (laughs) She has a cat? She has a cat. That's awesome. Yeah. So what what it's about is uh, she's a lawyer by day, crazy cat lady by night. (laughs) A true crime podcast hosted by a lawyer and her mustache bow tie kitty focused on cases from the Pacific Northwest. So she does specific cases from this area. Gotcha. Right. And she did an amazing episode on Susan Powell, who we cannot do the Susan Powell case only because there's children involved and children who were murdered. But go listen to her. She did an amazing job on it. And um, I highly, highly recommend you binge this podcast because it's great. Awesome. I'm really enjoying it. And please do us a solid and go rate and review us on Apple Podcast. We'd love five stars. Preferably. Yeah, yeah. That would be good. Please, five stars. And Spotify now does ratings. So if you are one of 10 people who listen to us on Spotify, <laughs> nobody listens to us on Spotify, please go and rate us. There you go. Because that would be awesome. And yeah. I hope it's five stars as well. All right. So... Are we good? I think we're good. Yeah, that was awesome. All right. I have so much other information going through my brain, but I got to stop. I know. It'll be 14 hours long. I got to stop, you guys. But thank you to everybody who contacted me, everybody who just keeps encouraging us and just telling us nice things. And I really am so proud of part one of this, of the Betty Broderick story. So I really hope that you guys enjoyed this part two. Mm Mm-hmm. You've been doing this for a long time. You really have. I know you've been talking about it and studying it and yeah. trying to decide how you wanted to do it. Yeah. So. Reading books? Yeah. Man. It wasn't like you just did a quick no. scan and then, okay, let's do it. And so. I'm old, man. Reading books on my phone is hard. 
It is. It's getting hard. It is with that magnifying glass. I feel like see it. <laughs> my bifocals. It. I do have bifocals now. All right. Well, be careful. For marriage is clearly a life sentence. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.